Good to have everybody here. My name is Patrick Conrad. Uh, just I'm with Life Fellowship Church out of uh, DeSoto County, just south of Memphis. Been asked to introduce Mark Pettis, your speaker for New Ministry Youth Model. And we, is that, I say that right? Something like that. It's new, it's a model, it's youth ministry. So, uh, Mark Pettis, some of you may know, is the, uh, the president of the Highlands College. Over a thousand students, I believe, part time or part time night school and full time. Uh, got a heart and a passion to see fruit produced in the next generation. That's why he and his wife Jill have four boys, I guess, helping out with the next generation. So I want you to welcome, and we'll get right into it, Mark Pettis. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much, and um, man, it is hot in here. And um, sorry, you're going to excuse my voice today. I have a, uh, I have a, a little bit of a cold. I actually... Last week, found out I had walking pneumonia. Has anyone ever had that, walking pneumonia? That ain't no joke. So um, um, I'm going to sit. I don't know what to do right now. This is awkward. I'm going to scoot over. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was my birthday Saturday, and I spent, I spent the entire day in bed. And at first, I was bummed, and I was like, hey, this is actually kind of awesome. I mean, watch Netflix all day. So, um, but anyway, my voice is, I feel a lot better, but my voice still isn't there. So hopefully it'll hang in. Um, just want to honor you guys uh, for being here today, and, and it's been an amazing conference. How about this morning? I mean, it was kind of still, for me personally, kind of still marinating in it. And, um, and really, even last night, the whole event, but with the idea of fathering, and we'll talk about some of that in this, actually in this talk and then into this morning. And just the idea of better together being a theme, and then the idea of us, and then Carl's talk, and uh, was just just amazing. So just excited to have these kind of breakouts a little more a little more practical. And so what we'll do is I'm going to talk for a bit, and then let's do Q and A if that works works for you guys. And really want to help y'all. And so just show show of hands, so I know who's in the room. How many of you guys are in youth ministry, like actively? In, you know, oh, we are family for sure. How many, any senior pastors, senior leaders? Okay, we can have fun. Okay, good. Oh, no. She, they sent her. They sent her. No, no. No, if you're in youth ministry, you are not old. Age has nothing to do with it. So, All right, so awesome. Well, that, that helps me a lot. And so, yeah, I, I do want to help you guys and just share with you. We definitely have not figured everything out here. I want to make sure you hear that. You know, God has blessed um, our church in amazing ways. But I'm, I'm really quick to always tell everybody, of course, it's all, it's all Jesus, um, and and we're we're very blessed in, in what God has done. It's come it's come from really making a whole lot of mistakes, and just learning along the way. So what I'll pass along to you guys is as many mistakes as we've made, we've learned from all of them. And um, and so there's some things that we can offer. And I know as we share with Q and A, there's also things that we can all I want to learn from y'all, and we can all learn from each other. And and, and as we talk through this, so um, yeah, so I'm I'm moving into my 13th year on staff here at Highlands. Uh, which has been an amazing journey, and I've been a part of student ministry the entire time, and still oversee that, and, and really still love it as much as day one. I mean, when you you know when you're called, you're called. So, how many of you guys? So, I, so that's my like on staff. But before that, I was um, volunteering for about ten years. So I'm kind of like twenty or so years into this. Anybody um, here been in youth ministry longer than that? Like over, over kind of twenty years? Any, anybody? Come on, come on. That's what I'm talking about. How about how about newbies? Then how about like this is your first year? Like you're just like just get into it. All right. How about Five years in or so, 10 years in, 15, any 15? Okay, awesome. It's good. Um, well, it's, it's, it's interesting in, in my timeline um, just how, how that's changed. So right when I got saved, um, my youth pastor said, hey, you're a leader. And I started serving with him, going around. It's a Southern Baptist um, youth group. They have these things called Disciple Nows. 
Um, we traveled around different churches and, and were leading. And so that was on my first take. I was 17 years old, first taken in, in youth ministry and just got, got bit by the bug, felt called to it. My youth pastor was uh, an amazing guy, still was an amazing guy. And it was, a, it was a fun season. And then from there into college, was a part of some campus ministry, FCA. Anybody familiar with FCA or different campus ministries? So that was a really cool season. And then after college, really in college, and then after college, I'm here at Church of the Highlands. And we've been through several different seasons. And so I titled this kind of the new youth ministry model. Not that we have figured out in completion that model, but we are in a new season. And if you've been around long enough, you've seen youth ministry kind of trend through these different seasons. And I think it's important for us to realize um, that the moment we're living in, maybe more than ever, I, I would actually say definitely more than ever, the moment we're living in, um, the, the pace of the moment we're living in is, is faster. Like things are moving. We've been through different seasons, but this, this current culture is moving faster than ever and seasons are changing faster than ever. And so kind of frontline, I believe the future of the church, obviously not just in the students, but in even the methodology of reaching a generation starts in youth ministry and then kind of moves into um, as as that generation ages up, moves into the the uh, the big church, you know, as we, what we used to call it growing up. And so it's important for us to know the season we're in and to really test and try, do trial runs and learn a generation because we got to reach this generation and we got to learn how to reach this generation. Of course, so we can reach them and, and continue to disciple them the rest of their life. And so that's kind of my. If y'all want to know my um, passion, I guess right now in this. In, in my heart for this season of youth ministry, I still love working directly with students, but I'm, I love the I love helping youth pastors and youth leaders, um, and our team here, um, you know, stay in touch with the spirit of God in our generation, and and make sure we are really reaching reaching students. And so I just kind of want to start out, you know, with with this season, with this moment we're living in. We want to put some context on it. You know, we have some we have some bad news, I guess. Good news, bad news. Start with the bad news, end with the good news. You know, bad news is things are moving faster than ever. Um, you know, I, I read the stat. Uh, a while back, says it said human knowledge doubles every 13 months, right now, and that there, you know, it's in the next few years it could double as you know as fast as every few you know few few months, couple of two or three months. It's just with the speed of, of course, with internet and knowledge base that we have, and with the speed things are developing, it's just moving really, really fast. I mean, people are obviously we're all in constant touch with each other. I mean, my kids, they are the only people. My my oldest is in third grade. He's the only person in his class that doesn't have an iPad. And he begs us for one, and I'm like, you must be crazy. You are nine years old, and that costs $800. You are not getting an iPad. They're like, they have device day, right? And I'm sure your parents, you know what I'm talking about. And it's just, you know, there's just every, you know, everyone is just moving at this kind of ultra speed pace, and technology is driving a lot of that, of course. And, and with that, you know, it's just been interesting to watch the cultural norm. Of course, the, the word of the year in 2013 was selfie. Um, which is interesting that it really was not around before that. We took pictures our whole life. We had to find someone to take a picture of us. And then now we can turn it around and take pictures of ourselves, right? And so we, we defined it. And now they say that um, in our lifetime, we, the average person will take 25,000 selfies, which is roughly almost one per day that you're expected to live. And so it's just this interesting kind of uh, cultural, you know, just it's just things are moving fast, things are changing. And the results of kind of all that is, is clear in America. Of course, we, we see a, a trend towards being post-Christian. I'm going to talk a lot about this today. Some stats that, you know, I've read recently are, you know, that, that, that possibly 44% of America is already post-Christian. And only 25% of Americans define church as important. Uh, 19% are evangelical. And only 14% believe that the Bible is the, is the inerrant word of God. 
So it's just that's just kind of the bad news. That's the culture of the moment we're living in, the season we're living in is kind of a post-Christian trending America. And the good news really, of course, is that you know students still need Jesus. That's the, and that's the encouraging part that I'm, you know, whenever I'm tempted to be discouraged, I'm, I know that there's a there is that God-shaped hole in all of our hearts, and and that's that's an important thing for us to remember. And with that is really the ultimate good news for us in our calling is that God has chosen us to reach this generation. So God in his sovereignty, which is a, is a good, we've got to remember God is sovereign. Acts 17 says he chose the places we would live and the times we would live, which means when God had his grand design, he knew you, of course, and he chose you and made you with a calling to reach a generation that was the hardest to reach in history, probably, in a time where things are moving the fastest. Um, but he, he waited to put you on this earth and put me on this earth for this moment in time because he knew that we were equipped and called and he designed us with the ingredients to reach a generation. So that's that's the good news that I want to kind of build off of today. And we got to own that. You know, youth ministry is not just about behavior management. Come on, somebody. This is not just about keeping them busy. It's not about entertainment. This is about us reaching a generation with Jesus, the message that changed our life, and, and, and letting that same message change their life, and never letting the press or the, the pace or any of that discourage us but pressing in, and we just have to own it. I think that's the key, guys. And if you want to take notes, maybe starting now, is it's just there's a decision for each of us. The Bible says that there is a valley of decision for, and I believe this applies to our students. You know that it's a life or death place. It's a valley of decision. It says multitude, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I think students, teenage years, are really are a valley of decision. But I think you, us as youth pastors and youth leaders, we're in a moment of decision, and it could go either way. I think this can be, and this is kind of where I'm at. This can be a, you know, this can, this can be a, a generation where we see the whole thing kind of fall apart, or this can be a revival generation, an awakening generation. And I think the potential is there. The question is, are, are we as leaders there? Are we ready to go on the journey, quit making excuses, own our calling, step into it, and learn and grow until we can see God do amazing, continue to do even more amazing things as we move forward. Leonard Sweet says this, um, that if you're doing church the same way you were a year ago or even last week, you're falling behind and failing. And I have that quote in my office to apply to all the areas I've, uh, that I've been allowed to lead. And I think, it, like we've already talked about, it, it's, it's so relevant for student ministry. And so if, if you're still doing church the way you were a year ago or even last week, you are falling behind and failing. So today, over the next few minutes, let's just step into it and own it and open our hearts. I would just encourage each of us in, for me as well, every time I share this, open my heart, God, what, you know, what are you doing in this season? What are you teaching us? How can we reach these students? Um, because it's so important. There's never been more opposition, but there's never been more opportunity. So three things we're seeing here that we're learning and growing in in this season in youth ministry, um, I want to pass on to you guys. Some, some of y'all, I recognize your faces. You've heard these, but um, they're, they're still, we're still digging into these. So we're, these are philosophies we've had for a few years, but we, we're still learning how to implement them. The first one is this. And, the, and kind of the title of, of the seminar would be, you know, there is a, I think there is a new model, and that's building pathways, not programs. So, like I mentioned, um, you know, I, I, grew, I was saved in a, in a kind of a youth group model, and it was a late 90s. All right, how many of y'all were in youth group late 90s? Glory days. You know, let's, let's just, let's, if we do like a memory lane for a minute on youth ministry, that was like the youth group glory days. You know, like it was, I mean, I walked into a room, a youth group, it was called, T. first of all, it was called TNT. It was Thursday night thing, Thursday night thing, TNT. 
and and um, yeah, you know, some of y'all finally got it. It's like yeah, like every name had to have like a really deep meaning, right? And so I walked in there, and literally the moment I walked in, they were doing the song Pharaoh, Pharaoh, which had hand motion because every cool song had hand motions, right? And of course, like at that moment, I mean that was cutting edge. That was like like that. I mean, I remember thinking. First of all, I was like, I've never been around, been around teenagers that are this happy because I was miserable. And then secondly, I was like, this is so cool. And they had, they had a drama team that I joined, and I was always Jesus because uh, I, I have no coordination. So they were like, you can raise your hands at the end. That's what Jesus always does, right? And I throw, throw some kind of sin object down and then raise my hands like with the person, who, you know, like the drunk teenager, then I raise their hands and like everything's good. So, um, so like there was that. I mean, my youth pastor... Um, I already mentioned he was, he, was, he was awesome, but he was a fun guy. He was the fun, it, like his job was to fun, be fun. Like I don't remember him, like he was, he didn't care, he was not wearing skinny jeans and trying to preach cool. Like that wasn't even, that wasn't even a context for that. Like, like there, the stage wasn't even important in the youth group, right? It was just, we're going to have fun together and we're going to have to do fear factor. At some point you're going to eat some roaches or something like that. <laughs> you're going to mix a Happy Meal up in a blender and drink it. And... Um, and yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And, and here's the key, though. It worked. It reached me. And it reached a lot of people. Um, and, and it was interesting, you know, as I was even preparing this, thinking back, like, it was actually a very effective, in that season, it was effective. And, and it gave me access to people, because as a teenager in the 90s, when I was at home, I didn't have social media. I, there was no way to be around people. So what I really wanted to do was get around other teenagers, and so it was an effective hook to get me in and create a culture and an environment, which really now, with, with all the access to media and entertainment, students are really satisfying a lot of those same things we were hooking them with without needing that same context. And the season changed. And I think even through that in the in early 2000s, kind of moved into uh, another season, you know, kind of out of the glory days of youth, ministry, or of youth group into, into the, the early days of youth ministry. And I blame one person for this, and that's Judah Smith. Because I got saved, I felt called, and then I, you know, I, in my heart, I'm like, you know, podcasting had just started, and I'm like, I want to learn and grow, and so I started podcasting Generation Church, which is their youth group, and I'm hearing this guy, Judah Smith, and he's not playing games. He's not the goofy guy. He's preaching like a 15-week series out of Hebrews, and it's the best thing I've ever heard, and his whole vision is to reach a city, and I'm, I'm kind of summarizing a whole context into one person, but he was a forerunner in this idea of... This isn't for fun and games. We want to reach a whole city. And there, in the early 2000s, there was a new season of culture along with a new season of youth ministry. And so now we, we were kind of this, um, we all started talking about, well, we want to be a movement. Like we want to, we want to, we want to you know, reach every teenager in, in our city. And I know these existed in the 90s too. I'm just, again, characterizing. But you begin to see this overall movement in youth ministry towards that kind of model. And again, it was very, very effective. And that's kind of when I, when I started um, leading here on staff, that was kind of the the end. It was towards the end of that kind of initial season of of youth ministry, and the goal was to fill as many seats as possible. That was my literally. That's kind of what I came in with. Is I want to reach as many law students as I can. I want to fill as many seats as possible, and most of our energy was built into the the event itself. So weekly youth group service, junior high, high school. When later on we combined those, like the my staff when we staffed it, you know, and dream team or volunteers. Like the energy was around that event and that was kind of the cornerstone and we did other things retreats groups whatever but they were definitely in the background and so we ran that model successfully here especially when we were a single campus and then um, we began to feel friction when we started going multi-campus in that model and along with that i believe a new season we, we kind of stepped into a new season this is where i want to kind of teach now i think it's been the last seven eight years 
it's continually changing, but we kind of in a, in a, in a macro way, we're in a new season of, of youth ministry. And I started feeling it because I would, I would be driving home from, you know, from a, a youth meeting and I just, and I don't know, maybe you're there now or you've been there before. I just had these, as I was going back through the night, you know, in the past, I, I would have moments of excitement. I was always, you know, always pretty critical as well, but I had this sense of we were moving the ball down the field. But man, this is 2011, 2012. I started driving home Wednesday nights and thinking, what are we doing? Like, like, I know what we just did, but, like, what are we doing? I, I know we filled seats, but I'm really not sure what is happening. And I'm, I'm kind of wired that way. Pastor Chris is wired that way to think, okay, how is this, you know, how are we, how are we taking next steps here? And really went into an entire season, and I don't want to go into the details of that, where God really just kind of opened our eyes to the possibility of doing youth ministry a different way. And it, and it didn't start with programming. It started with a philosophy. And I think this is, you know, in my mind— the, the, the big idea, if I want to sum, summarize it all up, is we had built great youth programs in the 90s. We had changed them, but still we're building a youth program in the, the early 2000s. And God was shifting that here. And, and since 2012, we've been in a new model where instead we're thinking about how do we build pathways? How do we create a, a literally a pathway or a journey for a student to walk where they can continually grow in their faith? And the verse God gave us, and I, I champion this verse everywhere I go because I think this this is both the vision, um, the spiritual kind of theology, the vision, and also the practical way that this is this needs to look. And it's uh, you probably heard it, Psalm ninety two verses twelve through fifteen, says the godly will flourish like palm trees, so the godly will be healthy. And this is the verse God gave us during a twenty one day prayer time. It's just you know I want students to be healthy. Anybody want that? I want I want them to be healthy. I want them to grow strong like cedars of Lebanon. Anybody want your students to be strong? So the symmetry of, our, of this scripture is in verse thirteen. It says the key is they're transplanted in the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. So they'll have generational influence, healthy, strong with generational influence. And they'll declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. So they'll finish their life well. And the symmetry of that is around the idea of what, what happened, that what changed is they were transplanted or taken from the world, and they were planted not in the youth group and not in the youth ministry. They were planted into God's house. And God just gave us the revelation. Instead of creating essentially a parachurch within our own church, that had there was there was many good things about it. I'm not being critical, really at all, at all. But I know this: we were seeing diminishing return with the energy, the effort, the money, the manpower to create this entire ministry within our church. And when God gave us this revelation, we realized: what if instead of doing all that, all we did was create a youth ministry department that's whole job was to walk students into the church, not into their own kind of dead end street that ends one day when they graduate out of the youth group. But that the goal would not be to get them just in a seat. The goal wouldn't even be to get them at a retreat. The goal would be to get them living, in our context, what we consider a win here at Highlands is living out their gift and calling within our dream team or group of volunteers that they're actively serving in the area they feel called to. That's the win we have for every adult. We thought, what if that became the same win for students, not just serving in the youth group, that we would just open up the entire dream team. They can serve wherever they feel called in the entire life of the church that we would do that. And so we began, after that, began dreaming of what could we put in place within our, you know, programming, what kind of, on the, along the pathway, what, what could help them move down that track. And that's where well, we, that's, the, the vision has not changed since 2012, but that's what's constantly changing because, again, culture's moving. So we're just constantly assessing what events, what, um, you know, um, key moments along that pathway are going to help students moving to the same goal, which is planted in God's house, which we define by actively serving on a team in the life of Church of the Highlands as a greeter or a parking person in the nursery, 
and you know, in production on a, on a worship stage, that they have found something they feel called to, and they're doing it not in isolation. Here's another key: is they're doing it alongside other Christians who are multi generational, multi in different ethnicities, different. I mean, different contexts um, uh, financially. That they're, they're, that that I've been you know forever. I was trying to get adults to come to the youth group. What if I just send students to the adults? And they're on a greeter team with adults, and they're from an un- you know a lot of them from an unfathered or unparented situation. Well, now they're getting to serve alongside men and women of God who can naturally build a relationship and mentor them. That, that that would be the goal, getting them there. And then our job since then has just been to continually learn what the pathway needs to look like. Does that make sense? And I really do believe that's the new model. It's a pathway, not a program. What's the goal? Getting them into the life of the church. Because a bunch of really great youth pastors grew up and became senior pastors, and they made their churches like youth groups. And students want to be involved in them. And we have moving lights, and we have great songs. And at the end of the day, I realize, and this is a hard moment, they don't need me preaching at them. I need to be probably a little more behind Wizard of Oz, behind the scenes, helping them get to where God has called them to be, which is in the life of the church, if I really want them healthy and strong with generational influence. Because I used to think the pressure was for me was, how do I fully disciple a kid by 18? I felt like that I literally, when I assessed my goal, that was the win in my mind. with the, Those kids, y'all know the on fire, whatevers, and they're very rare. And if that's my goal, I'm losing all the time. And I was miserable. That's what made me miserable. But if my goal is get them planted in the church, well, then they have the rest of their life to be discipled. And if they have, that's what the body of Christ does. You've seen all the stats. People go to college and walk away from church. They were never in church. They were just in a youth group. In fact, a lot of times, at least in my, when I grew up, we were, anti, we were anti the old people. We actually created us and them. We do it better. We're cooler. That's where it's at. And then we wonder why they were never in church. And so it's a much different mentality. But it, I'm telling you, we've seen amazing fruit from it in, in so many ways. And we can talk about that during Q&A. So I took a little more time there than I wanted to because I, I definitely want to talk. But our vision is that pathway. Just really quickly, if you're interested currently, what that looks like in the way we would design it is we do um, a Sunday morning church here, of course, every week. So we don't have a, we don't have a weekly service. So the t- kind of top of our pathway is a once-a-month event called Motion Night, which is an evangelistic night that we, we um, invite not only the students of our church, but we, we use that opportunity to invite people from the city because that's still deep in my heart. I want to reach my city. I don't want to just play games. I want to I reach people who are far from God. And, I want, and that event is something we put a lot of energy into, but it's not the same kind of energy as when you're doing it every week. It's only once a month. So it's a great event, but then it's just once a month. So my team's not thinking about a service every day. And then that, that, that um, once a month service is, is huge for us. That gets them involved, and they have one announcement there, and that is that they would get involved in a small group. And so that's kind of our next step in the pathway is that students jump into a small group. And that small group is the I'm 90, 80% of our effort as a staff now is raising up and developing small group leaders. And we weren't very good at it. We've gotten good at it because we have the time and energy to do it. And so those, those, are, those small group leaders are trained really to be youth pastors who help assess where students are spiritually and then help them take their next step, which could be baptism. Um, at first, it could be or getting saved. It could be, of course, they have a lot of family issues that are going to be walking through. But, the, but within that, that there's a goal that they would eventually get to what we call the growth track, many of you have heard of, which is the way our church kind of um, is our onboarding process in our church. And they, they go to that same growth track as adults go to, but they don't go by themselves. They go together or with their small group leader. And as that process happens, they end up on a team, which is the last part of the growth track, and serving within the life of the dream team. 
And so that's that's in our mind, that's our mentality. Now, along the way, we have we do have certain retreats, and there's other smaller things, but those are the key events on the pathway um, that we've designed. And it's amazing to watch. You know, I can now have metrics on every one of those numbers. I can see how many come to Motion Night. I can see how many are in small groups, how many are going through the growth track, and then every week how many are going through or serving on the Dream Team. And so now we know we're winning, and we're seeing God do some amazing things. So that's the big idea there. Secondly is there's a new way to reach. So there's a new model, and that's a that's a a pathway, not a not a program. And there's and there's a new way to reach. And I talked about the hook earlier. This is this is my way to describe what gets a student in the door. And so it used to be fear factor or a giveaway. I have found it, and recently I, we give stuff away, and no one's impressed. They're like, we already got four of those, and they sell it on eBay. You know, it's just like what? Just, I mean, like it's, a, it's like none of that stuff works anymore. I mean, t-shirts still work because that's eternal. T- free t-shirts always work. <laughs> But um, people will freak out. They'll do anything for a free T-shirt. But, um, but really, that hook doesn't work. The games don't really work. You know, the hype doesn't work because they're, they're overhyped in every environment. And, and really, even lights and smoke and, I mean, no, that, they, they, I mean they, can, they can go to any show and get that kind of experience. So when you think about a hook, here's just an interesting side note of how I think. Of course, I love what Carl said. It was anything but sin, I'm going to do anything. So, that, so if you want to know what's on the table for me, anything's on the table. And I'm trying to get them in, and I'm, and I, I don't have to, I'm not afraid of them knowing we're a church and what we're doing. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not going to make it hard for them. So I'll 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 push whatever will connect with them in the moment to get them in the environment where they can meet Jesus, right? So if everything's on the table, what is something that we own or we kind of as a body of Christ possess that this generation just doesn't have? You think about that, then you can find your hooks. Like what can what can I throw out? that they don't have, and, and, and there are different context cities, examples here, I mean, all over, but I think there's one universal one that I'm just going to tell you today, it's the Holy Spirit has used this in, in our ministry to grow everything, and that is authentic relationships. <laughs> they don't have real friends. And so for us, what we've seen is the greatest way to reach students is to create that environment, to champion real environments where, where they can you know, take the mask off and more than the mask. Cause a lot of them don't care about the, you knowing who they are or what they're about. It's the pressure where I don't have to perform. I don't have to be what my parents expect or what my teachers expect. I don't have to compete to, to get the scholarship. I don't have to, because there's so much pressure. I can just come in and it's a breath of fresh air. And so for us, our groups, I've already mentioned are on our pathway. What we've seen is really it's as fast as the, we get them in groups as fast as we can because that's that's what they need desperately, and in some ways even in, and this is even in the last six months. I mean we've almost we've almost in some ways we have seen our groups become more evangelistic. So a lot of times I'm looking out in a room like an emotion night and and really people are there not because of the event they're there because their small group leveraged that event and they said hey come to this event with us and they're there and and the groups are becoming the most evangelistic tools we have. But the, but the mentality, even in Motion Night, we're finding ways, as, as many ways as possible, even in that environment, to help cultivate authentic relationships. So in the lobby moments, we bust some of our students from other campuses in, creating moments in the, every, if we're a retreat, it's not about the programming anymore, it's about how can we capitalize in moments to create relation, relationships. And, and, the, and the core of that is the small groups, which in your mind, you'll, you'll you know, naturally think that small groups are about discipleship, and, and they do. I mean, that is, that is what ends up happening when believers get around each other and we open up the Word of God 
and we share our lives with each other, that's part of a discipleship process. But the weight of a small group is not curriculum, it's relationship. That's what, that's what it brings to the table. All right, so that's, that's what, and if they stick, then they have, like I said earlier, their entire life to walk out this discipleship process. And so we put as much effort and energy as we can into creating circles, not rows. That's, that's how we've done it. In every environment, motion night, retreats, motion conference. Some of you guys have been to, anybody been to motion conference? If you come to our conference in the summer, after every main session, what do we do? Small groups. Because it's a conference, but there's a moment where we can create authentic relationships. And that's, we're, that's how we think, because that is really the thing we offer that they don't have. And I would just tell you, if you're struggling to reach students, um, maybe you look at what you're throwing out there to them in the way that you've organized the environments they're a part of, and small tweaks to create these moments and to create these authentic relationships, they will make a massive difference. And it could be your key. You, you, I think a lot of times we lean on old men mentality, but again, everything's moving fast. Things are changing. And we got to realize that as that's happening, we have to always be assessing what we can do and, and offer them. And it's, it's just amazing to, to look. I was in Japan this past summer a couple times on mission trips, and there's a phenomenal church there. In fact, they're here at ARC. It's called Lifehouse Church. And they're growing. They have 18 campuses, and Japan's in the 1040 window, of course, and less than 1% Christian. Um, and, it's, you know, it's just um, very secular. In fact, it's the perfect socialist, secular, and, and, and I mean, it's in uh, culture. It's everyone has money. Um, technology, of course, is unbelievable. I mean, I rode, I rode on a bullet train 300 miles an hour, and, and there wasn't even a bump. I mean, it was just completely silent. It's freaky. And... You know, it's just the, there's no crime, uh, there's there's no homelessness, and everyone is miserable. I mean, like they have people. I think it's every 13 minutes there's a suicide by train in Tokyo. And so this church, um, which they 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 were birthed out of Hillsong, so of course they have great songs, they have great environments, great culture, great great services, but they haven't used that hook. I mean, that's where they present Jesus, but that's not what they're throwing out there. What they do is they send teams. In fact, we had a team that just got back. And for an entire week, they just went and walked the streets. And they asked people to be their friends. Do you want to hang out? They took a guitar out and just created a moment on the street. Do you want? Because in Japan, when you ask someone, do you have any friends, the answer is, I think, that, I think Rod told me the answer is overwhelmingly zero. And the most someone would say they have is one friend. Like no one has two, three, four friends. Like that, that, that doesn't even exist. So they're throwing this hook out and God's using that and they're creating circles before they even get them in rows. They're, they're, they're meeting on streets and they're saying, hey, why don't you come? We're going to do some English, tra English translation talk and then they'll get them into this next kind of, it's a small group. They don't even know it. And at the end of that, oh, by the way, we're starting church in five minutes. And so and also now they're sitting in the row and they're getting the experience of worship and the word and it's changing their life. And I really do believe that in this post-Christian America, we should be looking at, at people who are reaching people in post-Christian environments and learning from that. Um, we've set this, I think we've set the tone for a long time in the kingdom of God. I actually don't think right now we're the best at knowing how to reach our culture because others have had this culture before us. And they're doing, they've, they've had to learn the hard way and then we need to, we can learn the easy way by learning from them. And so anyway, that's, that's the, for us and it's, it's just our mentality now is creating those authentic relationships. Here's the last kind of idea and that is just a renewed style of discipleship. And, um, the renewed here because it's really a book. This is Book of Acts, honestly. And it's because we're living in a post Christian environment um, that we need to think like they thought when there was no church. 
Because essentially when you say that it's post-Christian, in fact, it's a little harder maybe in some ways because it's anti, because the people have been burned or they're hurt, or they have a, percep- a perception, but really the same kind of ingredients. So for the last 60, 70 years in America, it's it's been very much a Greek model of, you know, there's, which is what I'm doing here, I'm presenting to a room, people are receiving in a sermon, and of course that's still working. None of these things, you know, seasons are changing. I'm not saying anything's dead. I'm just saying we have to understand emphasis. And, and really, and as we've already talked about, because of the right relational gap in, in this culture, um, people are looking for more than that, and, and, it's, and it's essentially more rabbinic than it's ever been. You know, if we, want, if we want a student to get saved, let me just say it this way. If you're preaching to a, a room of students in, in America now, in most places in America, and you're preaching to them in the same way you were preached at, which, which we probably would do, right, naturally, so our starting point of context would be what ours was growing up. So we, we, we probably grew up in an environment that was a little more apple pie, right? We had a, a, a moral context that was a little more Christian than definitely exists now. We've probably been exposed to more church things and language, et cetera, than have been now. So a lot of times we'll be preaching sermons and messages and using illustrations and even using passages with, without any kind of explanation. And we're throwing it out there. And in our mind, we're like, they, 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 know, they should know this because I knew this. But what we don't realize is the water level is here. It's not here anymore. So we're expect we're we're talking about things, and really, this is I believe this is why we see the moral relativism seeping into the church because really, a lot of times we're throwing out these amazing truths, and they don't have any context. So all they're doing is grabbing one of those and adding it to this this uh, mosaic of faith, their own faith they built. So they've grabbed a little of this, they've grabbed a little of this, they've grabbed a little of this, and we honestly just added to their confusion because they 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 don't. And I was we were had motion night last week. I was talking. Bubba just walked in the room. Wave your hand, Bubba. This is our our youth pastor phenomenal leader we were talking about this after motion night the other night we're hanging out my house and we're i'm like we we got to make sure they understand the sin condition we can't we can't preach a message about your need to repent into a room of people who don't even know what's wrong with sin like that you know what i'm saying like this maybe we need to add a two-minute kind of hey let me explain this this Sin is missing the mark, and when we miss the mark, it's created death in our heart. And, then, and Jesus went to the cross. Why? He didn't just go because he, because just because he, I mean, he loved us is why he went. But what was he doing? He was bridging that gap, and he was he was he was taking the punishment we deserve. So now we can. Be, I mean, we they don't they, we don't need to expect they know anything. So the big idea here is this: we're not leaning on curriculum, and even in these groups, we're trying to create relationships. But as we bring in ideas and curriculum, what we're trying to do is develop really the rabbinic model which is not more presentation of curriculum, it's question and answer. That's what rabbis do, is instead of assuming what someone knows, you discover what they know, then you start there and take them on the journey to where they need to be. We're assuming they're here, they're really here. We need to investigate. If we know they're here, now we can build a journey for them. And there are lots of resources, and this is where curriculum is still important, where you can take students on a journey to build their faith. And here's the key, this generation, they really don't believe anything an institution says anyway. They're going to Google it, fact check it, and they're going to take a little bit and throw the rest away. But if they discover it, they'll die for it. So the rabbinic model allows them, through question and answer and through this process, it really allows their buy-in to go on the journey. Some won't, and that's fine, but the ones who do have now built-in buy-in. And when they discover their faith, they can own it. And when they own it, they'll die for it. And that's the redemptive side of this generation. So really what's happening for us, and if you think about all this, we're just trying to get students involved into the life of the church ultimately serving on a team. To do that, we're creating relational environments, and the fabric of those relational environments is rabbinic. It's a, it's a, it's a process of, of really another pathway, of taking them on a journey of discovering their faith. 
and allowing resources and curriculum to follow that mentality versus us assume and then us throw things out and have this minimal return or even adding to confusion, which we would never want to do. And so in my mind, those, those three ideas are helping us shape the way we think. It's not static, like I said earlier. How we do it is completely changing. We've changed 10 things this year. We'll continue to change things. But I do believe the Psalm 92 vision of planted in God's house is still the season we're in. And I think I really believe it's going to be the season until Jesus comes back, is that God has allowed the local church and what we're seeing it this week to rise to this. I, we are a city on a hill. And, we're not, and I think part of that is because we're not cultural country clubs anymore, Christian country clubs. like this. It, there's a dividing line now. And I think this is our finest hour as the body of Christ. And so instead of having to do, I think we needed all these other models. And I think God used them to help the church become relevant again. But I think now we get to return to the original vision, which is one body, multi-generational, everybody together, walking the same journey and becoming who God's called us to be. And so that's, that's kind of the, the talk or whatever, let's, let's, but let's talk. And so it's been these next few minutes. Um, I don't know if we need a mic. I think there is an extra mic um, if we need to run it. But if you, if you have a thought, question, question um, or whatever, and then Bubba, if you will, just stay, hang out and help me answer if there's anything. Yes. Yeah, it's it's small groups. Now, honestly, this and I'm not just saying this to back up what I just said earlier. And, and Bubba's in the room. It's it's well, we we have a group of small groups that are called city groups, and those are ones that we've really we have eight, 17 campuses, seventeen church campuses. So in all those different communities, we we uh, have a group, a small group that meets, kind of kind of as a um, let these guys slip out. That's no, fine. It's fine. I'm sure you can breathe out there a little better than we can. We're drowning in here, but um, so not to, not to bring in we can we can talk about this if you want to, but we just there was a while back where we realized because we we are a free market small group system church, meaning we don't force leaders to lead groups. We let people who feel called lead groups, which leaves you a little bit at the mercy of I mean it's not the mercy of the spirit of God, but as God moves within a group of people, I mean you're really semester to semester you're not a, you're only you have to wait for a leader to respond. And if they don't, then there's not a group. And we weren't, if we're, when we realized we were going to lean this heavily on small groups, we realized that everywhere we have a campus, we have to have a group. So through our students in Highlands College, we do have a group of leaders. And you can raise this up. You don't have to have a college. We used, uh, I lead the college as well. So we just used what was at my, you know, it was, that was just, that was a tool I had. And we said, let's deploy these students who are here anyway to learn leadership. And let's, let's, let's plant essentially these small groups and make sure that if we take a map out that everywhere we have, a church campus and a school, which is in communities with schools, that we actually have a small group. Anyway, so those are city groups. So they've really become, in a lot of ways, the, the backbone. We have lots of other kinds of groups around that that come and go in their free market. But we every semester know we're going to have these staple groups, and they create, a, they create a foundation for us to build on. Anyway, I say all that to say those groups have really become the way even Motionite is built. So they feel, which is perfect, right, because everything's local now, right? Eat local, hang out local, like live, work, play. So that's a cultural norm, right? So when, when we allow a group to take ownership of a city, students love to rep their community anyway, and now they're taking ownership of their school. So that their, their heartbeat is, and their leaders lead this way, we're going to reach this high school because this is where we go to high school. And so they leverage, and they, it may still be a leap for a student to go from zero to a group, but it's fun for a group to invite a student to motion night, which gets them bought in, and then the next Sunday night they're hanging out because we don't have weekly meetings. It's only once a month. So then they're hanging out at that small group and getting connected. So that, that is how they're, that, I would say, Bubba's in here, I would say that is how students are coming into Motion Night primarily. But then we still do social media. We do all those other things. And a lot of new families to our church, 
that's their entry point would be Motion Night because they see it on the news. Like how do my how to get my kids involved? We would say go to Motion Night, and that starts a process. Gotcha. So. The, the city group, so any night of the week for small groups, but most of our city groups are on Sunday night. Okay. There are other nights, but most of them are on Sunday night because it work, it just works best. Gotcha. So, yes. Um, we're switching to the motion model, and we just want to make sure that our students who are used to a once a week, um, I guess, service aren't slipping through the cracks because we're switching to once a month. So, how do you encourage? How would you encourage your students <coughs> to come on Sunday? Yeah, I would. You know, for us. Um, the key is, well, in any area, vision is always the key. So you've got you guys. We all have to paint a picture of, you know, what what we don't. You don't want to take something away and say, you know, just trust me, it's going to be great. I mean, you got to let them know why it's going to be great. And I think the you know before I would ever switch to a once a month model, I would make sure that there is a a small group culture created. And I, I've seen churches that kind of just jumped off the cliff and it hasn't gone well. But I've seen a lot of churches who took a year and they still did the weekly meeting. They developed a small group culture, and they got enough students into serving on the drink. And that's the other key is they got enough students through the growth track serving or whatever process they have serving on a team so that now I'm not just talking about the vision. I'm telling stories of the vision. And then, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, just give yourself leadership. You know, as far as I consider, a, you know, all of us have a leadership bank account, you know, so do a really good job of, of visioning out, but also let, let people know we're still figuring it out. But this is now our, our – give us patience with the model and give us buy-in. But what, what I would say that, you know, we have not changed and will not change is the Psalm 92. We have a new vision, which is getting your student planted in the church. And we're going to do the small group culture, and it's once a month. But, but there are churches doing two times a month, and it's working great. So that, like, I, don't, I don't get caught up in the methodology. It's the vision of the, and the value of getting them in the church that I think God's hand is on. And so getting the small group culture is huge. You know, learning and growing, getting people enough through there already are wins, and then and then communicating well with parents, and then giving yourself not an out from the vision, but also but a help. I need your buy-in and your feedback so we can make it better. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. You're gonna run it. So I won't be long. I just want to kind of speak to this young lady right here. Um, I'm not a youth minister. I'm a campus pastor, actually, and I stepped out of youth ministry into that role. And so we do what you guys do, um, and it's a scary thing to step out. We're, I'm actually in traditional South Georgia, you know, uh, traditional Wednesday night service, uh, traditional hymns, that kind of thing. And we're just a church that totally is the only church around that's kind of changing culture and going that way. Um, but exactly what he said, we, when we stepped out, Planning the kids in the church is the vision, and that's what we've done. They they operated the majority. Our millennials, 68% of our volunteer are millennials, and not only millennials but teenagers. You go into that, and like 50% of those are teens below. And so in that and the groups, it works. You know, we lost. We were running 75, but we were hot, man. We were having a good time, and I looked around one day, and it was like, where are they? And they're nowhere. And we go to this model right here, and we were down in half, but then it just exploded. Yep. And, and when it explodes, God sends the leaders, and the kids are looking for that relationship. So yeah. do what you do. I'm telling you, I don't have it, y'all. I'm telling you, you create that. That's what, and that's what PC talked about, back to what he talked about last night. It's that environment for contact, and it's that, that father. And they're not, they don't have that. And we, we, that's what we do. That's who we are. 
you know, and so it's just, it's just, but in the end, this is the threatening thing, and it's scary in a lot of levels for all of us as leaders. It's just a whole lot less about us. And I dealt, I mean, straight up, I dealt with that. You know, that was a, that was a real insecurity going into this is what about me? And at the end of the day, God just gave me such a firm confidence in that, you know, you know, this is, this is what's best for students. So who, I mean, I didn't get in this for me, but it's easy to believe that lie at some point. So that's awesome. Anybody else? Um, love what you guys are doing with your, um, you know, with your motion nights. I think they're really, really cool. Um, we're actually doing something. Our, our, it's called crossover. That's what we do. Um, so we call them crossover nights. Um, similar model. Um, how would you? Um, how would you speak into someone? I, I want to leverage what we have. Unfortunately, I can't have Andy Minio come out and you know do a killer performance that ultimately brings in a bunch of kids. Um, I mean, we've had some success with giveaways. We've had some success with like crazy games. How many bites does it take to eat? This kid, you know, ate a freaking uh, full onion in four bites. It was incredible. Awesome night, but ultimately, you know, we didn't do like small group breakout, which is kind of like what our whole model is, is small groups. Um, so I want to utilize and leverage small groups inside of that night. Um, but like, what are some other things you think that we can utilize and leverage um, in uh, in a night where we ultimately have like a lot of volunteers? We have a lot of options of things that we could do, but we don't have, you know, maybe the budget that you guys would have for a motion night. Um, I just and this is I don't know if I'm very good to help you with this because just in my philosophy, but I'm not an event guy, you know. So I think what you build it on, you you have to maintain it on. So. Um, I, we, I guess early on, I, and, and, um, you know, I appreciate the budget side of it, but we're very, actually very frugal here. So we, I mean, it's, I mean, you can ask Bubba, budget conversation is, it's a long journey. So, so it ain't, that ain't, so, but I will say that, um, you know, I learned, I guess early on that if I build I, the, the peaks and valleys, like if it's, if they come for something other than what we're doing, then. I don't know if there's anything you could add to it to keep them, you know, because they're coming for something else. So you may keep a little bit, but it's just really hard. So I, I think find what you believe in, and it sounds like you already kind of do. I think I mean maybe can affirm the other model, believe in it, and be okay with the gradual growth, and don't feel the pressure, you know, to have that that explode. And I would just believe in it, crank on it, and then when you then later on, once that culture is built, you can add all those other aspects to it. And that and leverage those in moments. I'm not saying that those aren't aren't there, but it's I wouldn't build around those. I'd build on the model and then and let those things, you know, push the model, not not try to capture energy because energy's not there. You know, it's there for Andy Minio or whoever or, or wherever else, you know. So yep. Two quick questions. The first one is do you, I know you you allow high school students or students to get involved on, on a Sunday morning. Do you allow them to volunteer at motion night as well? Other than we have an inter a summer internship, 252, yeah. but no, we don't. I, don't, I mean, that's we have an amazing dream team here, and, and we have leaders, and it's once a month, so it's an easy serve, so we don't have trouble, and, and you won't either getting people to, to, to be a part of serving that, so we want them to experience it. There are places they plug in, but it, no, as a rule, uh, for sure, no, that we want them to, to experience that, but then serving in any other aspect of the church, there are some, you know, they don't, they're not in the money counting room, offering counting. I mean, there are places they, but almost every area, you know, and and even middle school students can serve within our kids ministry, which has production. And I mean, really, it's a mini church service, so they, they can plug in in areas. And we're intentional with that time with, you know, with them in relationships. So, yeah, that's our, our hope would that be that they get 
serving within the life of the church and it's sustainable because once a month would not be a good serve um, for all the, the, the values we want to see. And then just one more. Um, what's the commitment level for a leader for students? Like, do they have to, do they have to commit to a year so, or two years? Or? No, 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 no at all. Um, so we, we want to have people who feel called. I don't want to ever have to, you know, it's the get to, not the got to. So we don't, and we don't, if you think about it, our, our mindset would be, and I know what you're saying when you say youth leader, we don't have youth leaders. We have dream teamers who are serving in areas, and some of those are, you know, for instance, small groups. They go through the same small group process. Uh, we do add a background check if they're going to serve in a student ministry small group, but they're, they're called to lead small groups for our age group, so they're, there's no pressure for them to be at emotion night or to come to con- or do anything else. Unless, and then most of them do because they love it, but I'm, like we don't. So they're they're serving in the area they feel called to. There's not just this one kind of blanket youth leader that we pull from. We're just trying to raise up and build teams in every area that we would have. And for us, primarily, it would be um, we have Sunday morning a connect group of people who are kind of using Sunday morning to meet new families. We have small group leaders. Kevin, what else? I mean, Kevin leads this area. Kevin, right? Yeah. Yeah, three prim- and then we then we do like conferences as one offs and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I have a question. Uh, practically speaking, okay, we are a youth ministry that's f- uh, four months old, and we launched with the motion model. And God's been doing amazing stuff. We had so many. We have so many students coming out already. That's blowing you know me and, and our and our staff away. Um, but we're coming with the struggle of like when we're because we got some we have like seventy percent of our students that are plugged into our small groups, which is amazing. But you know we don't have enough small group leaders because this is a brand new model, a brand new youth ministry. How do you go with um, trying to get some small group leaders? Because a lot of people that say, hey, we want to help out with with youth ministry, just end up coming to let's say like the motion night or just coming to that big event night, and that's all they that's where they stop at serving. Yeah. So how do you how do you get those people? to help plug in to the small group because the small group, like you said, is where life change happens. Yeah, so when, when um, we started our small group, I mean, really modeling culture here, this was in the, it was in the former model, kind of in the weekly youth group model, but we had small groups. Uh, really, we had zero small groups. We were going to, like, let's launch them, right? So how did we do that? I would say make and apply here. I, what we did, we were strategic with a number, and this is, this is I don't think this is scientific, but it does work, and that is we always, whatever, whatever you're, your potential is or your attendance in this case is you want 10% of that in groups. So, you know, for, you know, for, you know, if you have 80 students, you want eight groups, whatever. And so, uh, you know, using that kind of matrix, you don't have to get there in one semester. So you may, you may take you a minute to build there. And if every group has two leaders, well, now at least I know what I'm, you know, let's just pretend that's eight groups. So you need 16 leaders. So I, now I'm going to assess how many leaders I actually have, which I don't know, let's just say you have half of that. Um, and that's kind of, Honestly, that's probably exactly where we started, which was we launched four groups for a semester. And then we just, all semester long, we were recruiting new leaders. And we weren't saying you have to lead a small group. We were saying just attend the small group, hang out with students. And then the small group leaders were helping. Really, at that point, it was just, you know, come and see experience. And we used that first semester. We were, well, the groups were probably too big. They should have been. And we didn't reach our full potential to the next semester. But it, it allowed us to expose enough people to the vision that and they bought into it emotionally, and then the next semester they launched, you know, their own groups. And we, you know, I may have taken three semesters, but we finally grew to what we needed for the capacity. And then, it, then it became, then it kind of pushes itself. But really, that's the same. That's really the same philosophy. Still, would be because um, we don't we launch groups every semester and stop them. 
So the commitment for a smart leader is just a semester, three months. So during that semester, once the groups start, we're not starting new groups. So with new leaders, we're just getting them plugged in existing groups. They build relationship, they get exposure, they get confidence, which is probably what they don't, they haven't ever seen it, so they lack the confidence. Right. So then if they get around it, well now it's not as hard as I thought, then, then next semester, why don't you grab you know, a few students you're connected with and a leader you're, you're, you already know, and y'all go kind of do your own deal. So just honestly, it takes time, but I would just think strategically where you're building and then just kind of create a plan to get there. And then, and now, like even our systems like Growth Track, we still, I mean, we still have to personally recruit leaders and, and it's, we don't just, you're never to a point to where you just, oh, well, I know the system will crank them out, you know, because that, that's a death trap, so, yep. So on you guys' uh, motion nights, do y'all mix the middle schoolers with the high schoolers yes. on motion night? Y'all do? Yeah, yeah. And, and college. In college, okay, so it's kind of like a group thing. Well, our model is still, we, we do mix high school and, and middle school on Wednesday nights, but we have a weekly thing. Well, recently we've bumped into the problem of the high schoolers not really wanting to come because the middle schoolers are kind of there. And so we are losing a lot of high schoolers kind of to that because they're saying that the context that we're you know giving them well, I mean that's just some feedback that we've gotten is just not really relatable to that's what we're saying not really relatable to them because we're kind of we don't want to go too far because of the little ones yeah. but no I would say know, I would so. say I would say um, you got to preach at a 12th grade level preach at a 12th grade level. yeah so I, I mean I, I, I don't and, and you be smart with that and yeah you know but se seventh graders are going through. I mean, they're exposed they're going to everything. Yeah, so right. And that's vision related. And you know, you know, parents, you have to you have to calm their their minds down. And we we would never do small groups combined at those ages. Don't combine. But I mean, how, when's the last time a parent combined about a Sunday morning because there's an 80 year old and a 15 year old? <laughs> and we meet in the same room. Right. Right. So I mean, I mean, really, that's just kind of that old sacred cow Southern okay. kind of. Oh no, you gotta no. I mean, yeah. They're going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right, and this is yeah. the best environment I believe to reach them, right? Because the middle schoolers will rise yeah. up, right? They're, right. But if you preach, if you do preach any lower than that twelfth grade level, yeah, the, the middle schoolers they, they're going to listen. This is why they're not going to not come. They're going to come because it's cool. Right. So don't worry about over preaching them. They don't care. I mean, they're, you know, they're just they're, they're just like I'm hanging up. And then and then just be strategic. You know, I just um, I don't, know, I don't highlight middle schoolers. You know, if Bubba's having someone on stage, it's going to be a high school student. So I don't, I don't, you know, the visual is important. Okay. So I don't, I don't, it, this is, this is a generational meeting, right. but we're, we're gearing it all towards kind of that senior in high school and college is a bonus for us. I said college and we do have college students that come and that's, we love that, but we also have college meetings that happen once a month here in Birmingham. So there is another environment for them. And, and really for us in the, in the college age, um, you know, because of that, we're not, I'm not. If they come or don't come, it's not that big a deal. So I'm not really that even worried about them. So if it's that high school age you want to hit. And if you preach that senior level, the college students who need to be there will be there. The middle schoolers are going to be there because it's cool. And then every, and then make the visual yeah. look like the college yeah. senior or the high school senior. So what time? I don't want to look over time. Is it three minutes? Let's do one more question. Quick question. Yep. Um, so you mentioned earlier that some you've seen people kind of jump into this, go from their old traditional way to a newer way, and they kind of – tank and I saw that at my church before I was over the student ministry yeah. and so I've been more hesitant to try again though I you know know that something needs to change um, and so what will you say that you've seen as the pitfalls for someone who wants to begin to transition in their student ministry conviction number one if you don't believe it don't do it and that goes to any anything 
So don't believe, don't, you can't run something that you're 80% good. If you're 80% sure it's going to work in your own heart, I mean, you may not know, I don't know if I knew it was going to work, but I knew I believed in it. So I think, I think, I think developing, and I think for me, 20, that 21, 21 days of prayer gave me a Holy Spirit confirmation, which in all the fear and insecurity gave me the confidence to step out. And parents smell that on us. Students smell that. Like they, they look in our eyes and they know if this is, if you're, if you have that conviction, it's going to, they're going to be like, okay, well, let's go at a different level. You, you got to, so I think conviction being very strategic I've talked about this in a lot of different ways, and I, I, you know, I would love to talk specifics and and in the detail of it. But I think, you know, um, I've already mentioned a small group culture. Without it, it will not work because that's the goal. The goal. Listen, this is not a once a month model. This is a a authentic relationship cultivating model. Okay, so we're not a once a month. We don't. Our mo- the once a month is part of a pathway. The goal is getting them in relationships and getting them serving. Right. So, like the, the model is built around that. So that the you know, having that small group culture and even delaying a shift in the model until you get that is important in, in some kind of hybrid. And then, you know, along with strategic would also be communication. And this is where, you know, early on, I did, I kind of had this, like, parents will figure it out. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, the parent is your biggest ally. And so, like, when we shifted the model, we, t- we did a new website. We did brochures. We did parent meetings. Pastor Chris gave me the opportunity to preach on a Sunday and share the vision. And and then we launched it at a strategic moment, which was af- after a conference, and and then we had motion conference, and three days or five days later, whatever, we had motion night, the first one, and so just it was very strategic, you know, in that. And then I already mentioned also the, this the, the bank account. Just give yourself n- not an out from a division, but do give yourself. I would say it this way: Hey, let us try this for a month or for a semester, and if it doesn't work, we're going to keep tweaking it. But I need your buy-in. You know, I, I think parents they won't. They want to go with you, you know. They they want they really they really do, but they they need to understand that it's not your way or the highway. I think I think that gives them buy in, and then, and then you know it ends up working, and you don't have to go back, or or else you keep tweaking it, whatever. Um, but if if you can just believe that we're going to get students planted in the church, and just go on that journey, I mean I, I mean God God is being faithful with that vision, and then find your own unique way to implement the model. So, cool. We survived. We're all alive. So love you guys. Have a great afternoon break. And then uh, Brian Houston tonight.